0: As you all know, SharpFootballAnalysis.com is the best place for fantasy analysis and betting information. We just introduced late season pricing. You can choose from season-long, four-week, or weekly packages that best suit your needs. Use code SHARP25 for 25% off any product site-wide at (laughs) SharpFootballAnalysis.com. Hello, welcome to Sharp Angles Podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here as always by Rich Vibar. Rich, here, here we go. Week thirteen, post Thanksgiving, uh, we're we're in the home stretch here. It's it's really going, especially for for you and just, uh, looking over a lot of fantasy stuff. Like this is we're we're really coming down to it. So uh, how are we doing this week?
1: Doing, doing real good. Yeah. I mean, FFPC main event playoffs start this week. I have a main event team that's facing Jonathan Taylor. So I'm very, very excited for that uh, in round one versus the Colt uh, versus the Texans. So we'll see if we can survive that uh, this weekend. But yeah, it's, it's December, too. Uh, you know, Elf on the Shelf has been here already in my house twice already. I, you don't Ooh. live this life because you have no children.
0: <laughs> do not. But, no. uh,
1: you know, we have, uh, yeah, you know, the, the Elf on the Shelf for everyone that all parents that do know. Uh, you know, uh, our grandparents got this for the kids a couple years ago, and the second they did, we were so mad, we were so angry, because it's this thing, you you have yeah. to come through these elaborate ruses for every day of December leading up to the Christmas, where this elf, uh, you know, it's almost like an advent calendar in a way, but like, you know, he comes I and... and, and and does all these little things for the kids and it's great. And they get it all invited, but it's like, as a parent, like we're trying to come up with like 23 different thing ideas. And then not only that use stuff that we didn't use last year. Uh, So it's, it's it's crushing us. We're already, we're we're in the bag here trying to figure out things uh, to to get uh, Alan, our elf, uh, the kids uh, motivated here every morning to wake
0: up and get started. (laughs) Oh man. that that sounds like, (laughs) it it sounds like just a, it's like a, a whole nother worksheet for you. Uh, it feels it like is. It just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, just going through it. So yeah, so here we are, week week 13. It's yeah, kinda crazy that we're we're here already. Um and uh, I, I feel like uh, we kind of go into this every week doing the same thing, but just feeling like we still don't really know what's going on which always great for a, a weekly preview uh podcast uh, and we we look at games uh and i think we do this every week also going uh, i'm not really sure uh how many entertaining games there are to talk about i think when you you know look at a bunch of these games this week uh, there's you know one interesting team but uh, not quite two uh for a lot of these so i think let's just dive in uh, to I guess we can start with you know the early game that's good, I guess, and that's gonna be the the Chargers and the Bengals, which I, I mean if it shows you what we're talking about this year, like we're starting a podcast with Chargers and Bengals, <laughs> which actually is is an interesting game, you know. You see oh, yeah. the chart yeah. Um, you know, you see the, the Chargers uh, go in and like for the first time, like we've talked about the Chargers offense for, for a while and what they've been doing. And I think for the first time, like Justin Herbert just was not good, uh, last week. And and that kind of played that part in Denver. And then you look at what Cincinnati came through and it just a uh, complete destruction of the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, last week. And these are teams that are, are holding out for, for some wild cards. You know, the Chargers only, uh, you know like game behind the chiefs but in the AFC west we'll see that the Bengals still have a little bit more to uh to go if they were to get to the AFC north but right now these are like two you know contending teams uh in the AFC so uh when you're looking at this uh w- what are you looking for in this game
1: Yeah I mean both these teams have been a little bit you know off and on too I mean the Chargers obviously it's it's been a thing for them all year uh, they've yep. oscillated from looking like one of the greatest offenses in the NFL to just kind of being like, eh. Uh, and then the Bengals had like a little bit lull. Now they've been really good again, you know, the, the past two weeks. But they've done it in a kind of a different manner because, like, Burrow hasn't really been lighting it up. He actually didn't have to do anything last week. He might have lit yep. it up. They just, I mean, <laughs> you got out to a huge lead, and then they just ran the ball down the Steelers throughout the rest of the game. Hard to really say what happened. <clears throat> but we did call the Steelers a couple weeks ago, man. We did say. That they were getting, they were going to get steamed up for for beating a bunch of bad quarterbacks, and then once they started facing these good quarterbacks, it was going to come through the wash again, uh, and that's kind of played out. So, so, R.I.P. Steelers. But back to this game, I think this game is interesting because the Chargers, like you, kind of brought this up a couple weeks ago. Like out of the bye, they, they've tried to make a really cognizant effort to stop the run, and they yeah. were, they've they- done a pretty decent job of it. I mean, last week wasn't great. Great indicative because Herbert played so bad in the game script. Like, because if the Broncos are a team, if they get a lead, like they're gonna do what the Broncos do. Um, so they they were able to like stack rushing production, but from an efficiency basis, like Broncos like didn't like run hyper efficiently. But the Chargers run defense has been good. And obviously the catalyst of the Bengals offense these past two games has been Joe Mixon. So it's gonna be interesting to see what they do to kind of combat that. Um, because you know, that's opened some things up on the back end. They've had some injuries, but We've seen the Chargers start to give up some more big plays because they've been for focusing more efforts on the run, right? Like you know, they gave some big splash plays in that Steelers game, and Claypool had a walk-in and touchdown and one that Ben kind of just moonballed. But uh, the Justin Jefferson is able to get over on them. Devonte Smith the week prior to that was able to get over on them. So if they force the Bengals to throw, is that just like a you know a double-edged sword, right? Because the Bengals, if you do invite them to throw and throw efficiently they've got the horses to put up some points on you in a hurry. So I'm very curious to see how, you know, Brandon Staley and the Chargers defense comes out to combat, you know, the surging, you know, Joe Mixon, you know, rushing production that the the Bengals have had the past two weeks.
0: Yeah. It's just one of those things where the Bengals have been, fine and kind of embraced going to that ground game a little bit getting a little more you know diverse in the in the run game too with with what they've been doing you know a lot of this stuff they were they were doing early in the year was they having burrow just go out and sling it all over the place whether he was throwing deep which he did really well early in the season um you know all that jamar chase production uh, down the field like that was what really carried them to the beginning of the year um, and they were kind of mixing in uh, mixing uh, a little bit. And that was a terrible sentence as that came out of my mouth. Um, so, uh, but now over, over the past couple of weeks, when teams have been, you know, selling out to kind of stop the pass a, a little bit, they've gotten some lighter boxes, you know, they are still a, you know, they're in that McVay style, you know, 11 personnel uh, type team. So they've, you know, been getting some light boxes and they've been able to have mixing uh, get going. They've, you know, been, fine relying on that which i don't think they were you know earlier in the season i think they've kind of figured out some run blocking along the offensive line which has been a little better um they're uh they're much better i think run blocking than, than pass blocking when they're really asking burrow to take you know a lot of that pressure uh off of the offensive line with with some of the quick game they've, they've been doing all year uh and then you just kind of look at what the charges like like you said like they have been trying to stop the run it hasn't worked great just because like they don't have the personnel to do it. Um and, and that's really been where they've struggled. They they don't really have the interior defenders, um the uh, they don't really have the, the guys in the second level either, uh, who have been able to get, and they injuries all over the place too. So they've been trying to just kind of mix and match with what they've been doing. I think Brendan Staley has done a, a good job in in doing what he can to adjust that defense. So it's not that. Um, Uh, it's not that they're just staying in that, in that too high shell and letting teams run all over them. They are, they are making an effort, but when, when you don't have the players to be able to uh, you know, fill those, those run fits uh, no matter what defensive structure you're in. And then on top of that, the, with the secondary, a little bit injured, you know, we haven't really seen Asante Samuel uh, in a while. He's I think still limited from that concussion. Um, You know, and and the pass defense hasn't been good, which when this Chargers team was looking really good early in the year, it was that pass defense was like a top five unit. But they still couldn't defend the run, and now that pass defense isn't as good. So even putting more effort into stopping the run uh, hasn't been as good because the pass defense can't stop anyone. Uh, and and I think that's going to be a problem when you have a team like the Bengals who you know, go three wide easily. Uh, you know, with Tyler Boyd barely in, involved in some of these uh, games, but it obviously can be. I think we kind of saw it. You know, we've been waiting for an every week in in the worksheet. I know you're you're writing it. the T Higgins production is. Is going to be there at some point like he's getting these targets one of these games is going to happen and then you know it, it did happen a little bit so he, he like he's getting this workload too i just think this is a, a real tough matchup I, I think for the chargers just because of of how well um you know the Bengals can can do a lot of things on offense
1: yeah the, and, and, yeah it's the same thing we talked about and then on the other side of the ball i mean this. The Bengals defense has been, you know, kind of up and down too. Uh, but we know that they don't really have to play aggressive. They don't have to really send a lot of heat. They can get home at four. Yeah. Uh, and if the back end is able to hold up, because really the Chargers have kind of devolved into just throwing the ball to Keenan Allen, like uh, Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler. Really, that's why you know Justin Herbert's a dot is sunk. I mean, Mike Williams just isn't getting uh, a, a, any type of line share of the targets. You know, the past. He's gone six straight games in a row where he's been below 20% of the team targets. Uh, And that's been a byproduct of what the offense has kind of done uh, from a scheme stance and then just like funneling the ball to those two players that I talked about who inherently have low A dots already. Uh, But yeah, they're they're not pushing the ball downfield at all, uh, which will help the Bengals here.
0: Yeah, and that's you know again one of those things that the Chargers' offensive line it's still mixing and matching a little bit trying to, to get healthy. I think uh, Matt Filer was was out last week, uh, and that was kind of big on, on the interior there. Um, it, it's the Mike Williams thing is is super weird because you know we talked or uh, real early in the season like he turned into the Michael Thomas guy, uh, right? In that, you know, Saints, Joe Lombardi uh, type offense. He was he was getting peppered with targets. And then, you know, you have the guy like Keenan Allen who just kind of has that been that guy throughout his career and over the past couple of weeks, like he has been there. So it, it, there's still a, a piece of this offense that it, it's been better on early downs uh, in the past couple of weeks, even just, you know, uh, efficiency wise. I think they're actually like top five since they came back from the um in uh, early down EPA. Per drop back, but it's still, but because they have guys like Allen and Eckler, and they can get some of these yards after the catch, because on first down they're they're still really. Uh, like okay taking the check down which um is just the thing that kind of puts them in second and long sometimes it puts them in third and long sometimes and you know they've been really good on on third and long uh like that and we talked about that so often in the beginning of the year they haven't been quite as good there so they they still need to pick that up a, a little bit so um yeah but when you have a guy like Keenan Allen you you can kind of just to pepper him with targets all the time. And that is going to work out, but um, you know, we'll, we'll see how, how this pressure comes, because like you said, uh, Cincinnati can get pressure with four. Like they have good guys on, uh, on that defensive line. I think, you know, we, you look at like Trey Hendrickson uh, we might've thought he, he got overpaid a little bit in free agency, but man, he's a guy who can just, you know, get to the passer. And that's something that uh, is, has been, reliable, uh, for Cincinnati, especially with, you know, some of those interior defensive line guys, they like picked up uh, BJ Hill from the giants for, for free, uh, basically. And, uh, for an offensive lineman, they were getting rid of anyway. And like, he's been able to create some pressure. So they, they have this like good rotation there. And I think that that might put a a little bit of pressure on the chargers. And I think that kind of forces them to, to dump off uh, a little bit, uh, in, On those early downs, So it's just, it's really fascinating. But when this Chargers offense is is clicking, like you said, it's been, you know, uh, up and down to where, like, they can look like one of the best offenses in the league. And they did over the first, you know, a couple of weeks. And that was a lot of Justin Herbert, um, you know, produced uh, production there. So I don't know. I would like to see them push the ball down the field. I think that's kind of where you can get Cincinnati a little bit, especially in that intermediate range. Right. I think when you have, you know, Jesse Bates uh, playing at safety, um, that takes away some of the D passes, but if you can get, you know, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and, and some of the tight ends involved in that 11 to 19 range, and that's where Herbert can be really good. Um, what was it, you know, two weeks ago, uh, you know, some of the throws Herbert made, uh, in that range, um, well, we're just absolutely insane so i think if you can pepper some of those into the offense a little more that's where that offense is really going to click that's where you can take advantage of cincinnati but um uh, from a week to week uh you know stance i'm not sure the chargers are going to be taking advantage of that the probably the way they should and that's where a lot of the you know the people upset with the Chargers offense. That's where that comes from because it's still good. Like it's, it's second in DVOA right now, I believe like the Chargers offense in general, but like it could maybe be first, like, and and it's second because it feels like it's either like first by a mile or it's like 15th. Uh, and like, then it averages out to like second, um, but it's never, like it never feels like it's like consistently second in that way. So I think that's where a lot of the frustration with, with some of the Joe Lombardi stuff and some of just the chargers offensive general comes in.
1: Yeah. I mean, the Mike Williams stuff is, is very frustrating just because you had this thing and it's like on, it was unbottled. Right. And like what happened? Did, was it just that he was playing above his station or. Like, it was just phased. I don't understand, like, really what happened with him not really playing that same role and only kind of being used as, like, a lid lifter now again. I don't really understand what's going on.
0: I think that the, part of the problem is, I think, with the Chargers, they don't have a lid lifter, right? That's kind of why we talked about, you know, Deshaun Jackson might fit there a little yeah, bit. Why Odell like Beckham fifth, might have fit. He's
1: a catch lid lifter, like he's right. like 50-50 guy ball. But, like, he, they, don't have right. a, a, they don't have a vertical guy to run people off
0: right but i think they are back to kind of using mike Williams like that a little bit because they they just don't have that other piece in the offense and that we we talked about that a lot about how that was just a missing thing and why that's kind of put them in the position they were having some of this low a dot on early downs because they they don't have a guy uh to push the ball down the field uh quite as as much as you know you, you would like in an offense to have so i think they're they're figuring that out and the Mike Williams just because like you're not gonna send Keenan Allen to do that. Um, you know, Jalen Guyton and uh and Josh Palmer aren't on the field enough to do that. I mean, Palmer's not like really that guy. He's more of like a the big slot guy, which they kind of have a lot of. Um, so that's just that's just kind of like the the disconnect in, in the charges offense where like a lot of the pieces work and, and they are really good. It's just it, it's it doesn't come together as consistently as we would like. Um so uh I guess let's let's move on here. To man, I don't even know where 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 to go here. Um, should we just dive into let's let's go to Baltimore and Pittsburgh because we talked about the Steelers a little bit. Um, the Ravens are the number 1 seed in the AFC and um feels like default right like default. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah right because they kind of have to be they keep finding ways to win games without uh looking particularly good while doing it um now i mean when you can come back to oh, win a game where Lamar Jackson throws four interceptions and like none of them were were good Um uh, that's just it, it's it's kind of just where we are uh, right now. Baltimore just, you know, hasn't been able to to click quite as well. Some of the defensive things are. Are getting a little better um but just not quite where we would expect the ravens to be but uh, pittsburgh they were going through uh, through a phase after their bye where you know roethlisberger was a little more under center they were using a little more motion they were using a little more play action and that was kind of working uh that completely blew up uh, against cincinnati so i i don't really know where we are with them anymore
1: yeah. He had kind of talked about that. He was going to let like Matt can, like he was giving in, like, and just going like, to acquiesce to see like what can it, can it offer? It feels like, yeah, that got, that got stripped. Uh, You know, I mean, even in the, in the chargers game was such so misleading because they had what three touchdown drives that were under 20 yards uh, in that game. Yeah. Uh, from a point perspective. Um, yeah, I mean, we've seen the offensive line is a huge problem. It, it is. And we kind of all thought it would be, and they can't run the football at all. And it's, it's, it was like a, it was fine. And like Najee Harris was doing like a little bit of everything and kind of like fudging some of it, but we've seen now, like the past couple of weeks, like they just, the lack of run game is, is because you can't have Roethlisberger and his current state throw the ball 40 times. You just can't, it's just not going to be good enough to get you wins. Um, and when they face these good teams that they have to be pressed the scoreboard on and you can't, you can't slow them down because you can't run and you can't sustain drives. It's just bad. It's just all around bad. And, uh, there's really nothing good I could say about the Steelers right now. now they're probably not going to have TJ Watt in this game. Uh, Joe Hayden might not play. The defense has been getting stomped on the ground as well now. So now that you have this, the defense, is, which is like held this team together, literally the, the past, you know, you know, decade outside of Roethlisberger is now to have like their first, like they're having their first like down year in a number of years. And they just don't have the horses uh, and healthy bodies right now. And they're just getting absolutely steamrolled on the ground of late uh, by all these teams uh, you know, the Chargers ran all over them and some of that was like with Herbert, but they couldn't stop. Like, Joe Mixon was just smacking them in the face, even from go the first drive of the game. Like it wasn't like they, the Bengals got a lead and then ran the ball. It was it was right, right from right from jump. They were just running down the Steelers throats. And now you face a Ravens team that hasn't really run the ball great with their running backs, even with Lamar, really. Uh, but we know they're not going to go away from it. Like this is what they do. So it's it's just not a great matchup for them and this game has potential with the pieces and like the way the Ravens play defense I want to like talk myself into being like excited about it you know even potentially going over this point total but both these teams have been so kind of anemic offensively it's it's hard to feel really great Lamar's deep ball has he's three of 18 on throws 15 yards or further downfield in his last three starts um it's kind of just neutered like the big play Hollywood stuff we were getting earlier in the year. Bateman had his like role reduced on Sunday night after he was like trending up. So we don't really kind of know where we are with that. Uh, Andrews is still been playing excellent, but uh, yeah, we're kind of in a weird state here with the Ravens that we've talked about multiple weeks. Like they, they just, something's been off with them all year, even outside of injuries. And um, it's really started to leak into their performance now because Lamar was like in the MVP conversation for like, six weeks. And now I, I don't think he even is even like really in that orbiting it right now.
0: Yeah, it was just kind of one of those things. It was no, by default because I while some of his production it wasn't you know completely there in a statistical sense, I think we all saw what he was working with um so he was he was really carrying uh that offense especially early in the year with how he was passing uh, a little bit later in the year how yeah, he needed to run because the passing wasn't there anymore now neither one of those are working uh quite as well but we'll we'll see you know a week removed from uh the the illness uh he had uh coming back so maybe that that helps a little bit but yeah i mean it's another thing in like this this mvp race like <laughs> who who wants to be MVP? And no one really. I think uh when you look at e- EPA for drop back right now, like Kyler Murray uh hasn't played in two weeks and like by sitting or um like he's jumped to number one because everybody else has has fallen down. I think you look at the you know the the betting favorite, I think right now is is Tom Brady, but like he's had bad games in, in two of the past three weeks, um so uh, I think it probably comes down to whoever is the quarterback of the the number one seed in you know one of these conferences is, is going to be it like just by default um so yeah, it's just an interesting uh, time with all of it It's like with while there's no good teams, there's no been no there's been no good standout player. Uh, either which which is kind of crazy um, as we look at uh, a lot of what's going on here Uh, I guess we can just get into like Sunday night because that becomes now a a real interesting game after what Denver has done you know the the past couple weeks especially last week Um, the Teddy Bridgewater uh, be coming in getting hurt Uh, Drew Locke looks terrible uh, Teddy Bridgewater comes back in and like has just like one of the most efficient days of throwing the ball on like one leg. Um, and then we will get Kansas city who we've talked about, you know, uh, they've been the past couple weeks when they were playing uh, or coming off a bye, but they got some teams that were going to play that that single high structure and that's what they killed. Uh, so we saw them bounce back a little bit. I'm interested to see what it's going to look like against, you know, the, the Fangio defense, right. Um, you know, and that's a defensive structure that has not worked well um, for the Kansas city uh, offense. They uh, obviously, like we talked about that the entire time, they struggled and, and Denver is able to, uh, you know, they, they have the pieces that, that can kind of, you know, hang with, hang with Kansas city, because that's just what, that's the, that's a defensive structure that uh, has been, used on Kansas city so often. So I think that the, the dynamic here uh, is, is just like a super interesting as we go into this game.
1: I mean, Denver is another one of these teams that just like, what do we have on a weekly basis here? I mean, they, 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 they dominate that game against the chargers. They dominate against the Cowboys and they just no show at home against the Eagles. Uh, you know, not, they're not even competitive against the Eagles in that game. They they're not even competitive against case Keenum on Thursday night, you know, a, a few weeks ago in Cleveland. Uh, Teddy, uh, is, is really good against the blitz this year, but I'm just worried. Like, is, is he just like too banged up at this point? He's just been dealing with stuff all year. It feels like, and maybe he just, like, he's just not healthy and just never will be fully healthy at this point of the season to kind of combat, you know, if the chiefs are able to score some points here, that's kind of the, the one thing. I would like really like this Denver offense here in this spot against the chiefs and the chiefs defense has been playing really well. They've just gotten hyper-aggressive, right? Like spags is just. Said, like, we're going to blitz a lot. And as a byproduct, too, uh, that g- coincides with that is the Chiefs have really started to play more ball control offense. So they're saying, hey, you don't, you, Spags, your defense doesn't have to be on the field a lot all game. So if you can just try to generate enough stops or or, or, or blitz teams' faces off to get out into three and outs, like, we'll hold the ball longer. Uh, and that, that kind of marriage has kind of been kind of what they've gone to, uh, you know, like the past month of their games. Uh, You know, they did it against the Cowboys, too. They just sent just sent heat. This is like that's what they've been doing. And and Teddy's eating that up. And the Broncos have playmakers to do that. Um, But like I do just worry, though, like Teddy's just so banged up right now at this point.
0: Yeah, I mean, with the Chiefs, it's interesting because they haven't really. Blitz much more than than they were. Um, so from weeks one to seven, uh, they were blitzing thirty percent of the time. Since week eight, it's actually only twenty seven percent, and some of that is you know it's some of those individual games that were in there. But they're playing man coverage behind it at about the same rate, and they were one of the most manhunt heavy teams uh, in the league there, and they just you know, been better at it because they are getting a little more pressure um, on on those blitzes. Uh, so they are able to, you know, hold up in coverage a little better. And that's just uh, been a big thing. Uh, so from those weeks one to seven, um, they were only had 27th or tw- sorry, 29th in success rate in man coverage. And since week eight, uh, that has gone to third. So it's just a clearly significant, uh, improvement in how they've been able to you know hold up uh behind that pressure so it, that's been that's been huge and that's been a lot of what this turnaround uh has been i think they've started to figure out some of those pieces so yeah like you said it's going to be you know real fun to watch because you know denver can go like four deep at a wide receiver we haven't really seen all of those pieces, you know, come together. There's, you know, we have uh, a game where it's, you know, a Cortland Sutton game. We have a game where it's a a Tim Patrick game and uh, it'll be, we'll we'll see how Denver kind of moves some of those pieces around to try to get away from what Kansas city uh, is going to be doing there. And if, you know, Kansas city is just bringing the heat, even when Teddy has been blitz and he's been really good, it's been in the Teddy way of it's, you know, uh getting the ball out quickly um and in that way so not pushing the ball down the field uh quite as much and that's where a lot of these guys can can do their damage so um you know we'll see there now when you look at the the kansas city offense you know they're we kind of talked about they saw single high a little more the the last two games uh they played um and the but also it looked a little more like Old Kansas city in the way they were like, they were running screens a little more uh, and, and things like that. And some of those plays were, were working a little better. They're, they're trying to figure some things out. So what I really want to see is, is how that does look against this Denver defense, because um, you know, we saw them adjust to, you know, how teams had, you know, played them in, in the past in that single high. So what this looks like against, you know, the, the Fangio defense is going to be really interesting. And I think really is maybe you know a tipping point in what kansas city uh can be uh for the rest of the season because you know it has kind of talked about it before as much as what's going on with kansas city like they're sitting the first place in uh in the AFC West, they're within, you know, striking distance of potentially the, the top seed uh, in the AFC. So, you know, after all that, Kansas City is just kind of, you know, where you know, we kind of thought they would be a weird way to get there. Uh, but I think they just, it, it just kind of seems like they're too talented. And again, we have, you know, Kansas City off a of bye. So they have uh, just the old Andy Reid thing, but like oh, yeah. they've now had time to to think about it. So I, I would expect to see some, some cool things uh, coming out from them.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the Chiefs have been one of these teams. We kind of go back and forth on it. Even against the Cowboys, like, they, they, they show signs of coming out of this. And then, you know, you have, like, the second half where it's like they could have ba- they should have buried the Cowboys, right? And they just don't quite get there. Um, yeah, I mean, but you are going to have the, the Andy Reid coming off of a bye narrative. And we're all – like you said, they're just still there. Like, when you look at the, the product as a whole, they're still tops in all these metrics uh, basically because of default of other teams too. So it's just kind of one of those years. I mean, did you see, um, I had to tweet yesterday about like the holding penalties. Oh yeah. Yeah. We've already had, so we've already had the same number of holding penalties called in the NFL through 12 weeks, the exact same number that we had the entire season of last year scoring's down uh, you know, all these other penalties are up too. it's just all these things are cooking into uh, this NFL season of being, we, we just were spoiled of of like maybe the last year or two of, of, of offenses and the climate and just everything kind of put together. And we were always do a little regression and we're not just taking that into account. Cause like you have teams, like you said, like the Buccaneers, like we have Brady's Brady, like four of the past five games has just been okay. And we've seen yeah. the bills a couple of times, like they've kind of gone up and down. We talk about the chargers being up and down and, you know, defenses are now more equipped to kind of defend the, the, the past. So we've got all these things kind of converging together. Uh, and maybe it's just one of these things like, yeah, Hey, not every week the team's going to score 30 points. We got the Rams going through it now. So there's all these things kind of like pulling in and maybe the, the best offense of this version of the 2021 NFL season isn't going to be a team that scores 30, 35 points every week. It's going to be a team that's capable of doing it, but it's also going to be a team that is functional and cannot turn the ball over and just like stay ahead and in positive game script. So, yeah, that, that's kind of where we are this, this season at this point of it at all. Maybe we'll see if someone catches fire here at the end.
0: So the weird thing is, I think the offense you just described is the New England Patriots. Uh, which we can get into the the Monday night game because they are a team that's going to be able to uh, control the ball they haven't put the ball in danger really at all and and that's the by design um uh, we've kind of just talked it every week they just seem to be getting a little better another uh, Kendrick Bourne shout out um which I think this is just beca- the the Patriots section of this podcast has just you know become the the Kendrick Bourne um Hey Juan Jennings <laughs> is
1: going to get some burn this week.
0: There we go, man. All, all of these uh, very strange uh, uh wide receivers that, that that I happen to to like quite a bit, just uh, coming into their own here. Um, so but you know, Bourne is, I think a piece a big it's not so much a big piece of the offense, but I think a big piece in the Patriots figuring out what they are right now, right? Because, uh, he's, you know, getting, getting more run than Nelson Aguilar, which I think well, we've you know, have talked about this, but I think that has gotten the Patriots to be able to, you know, work to, to what they want to do in, in being a little more, you know, ball control, you know, some of these, you know, shorter passes and can come after the catch and, and born's, you know, just been great in some of these contested catches, uh, too, down the field. But, um, you know, you look at that, that crosser he had for, for the running, uh, the catch and run touchdown, uh, last week against Tennessee. Like that's what the Patriots want Mac Jones to be able to do. And like, that's what they want that offense to be structured, uh, to do, especially in the passing game. And then they can just run through people, um, on the ground. So I think like when you talk about the the potential offense, like, and they can put up 30, uh, if they need to. And right now they have a defense that Uh, will allow them uh, to do that. And like, they don't have to put up 30 because people aren't uh, scoring uh, quite as much on on that defense. So, um, but then you look at at Buffalo and I think they are the complete opposite. They can put up 50 uh, and they can probably put up three also because like they could have one of those games where they turn the ball over, you know, three times. Um, uh, I think when you look at uh, football outsiders variants, which just tracks like DVOA on, on a week to week basis, or I believe right now, Buffalo is the least consistent team they have ever tracked um so they can like look like the best team in the league and we've seen that and we've talked about it how much they blow out bad teams uh and that's great for and that shows what a good team can be we want good teams to blow out bad teams uh but then they like have these stinkers and, and sometimes against bad teams like we, we talked about them against jacksonville so uh when you're looking at the two dynamics of what is some of these teams can be i think you just look at new england that's this fairly you know consistent team that continues to develop they're not going to do anything uh, that's going to put the game in question and then you have just Buffalo where you don't know what anything is going to be at any game where it goes in yeah I mean
1: the thing with the Bills you worry about too is just that you know and it's a small sample but the style of defense they play versus teams that want to play like power run football yeah and that's kind of the one like element here in play because the Patriots obviously now that Ramondre Stevenson is is worked his way into the offense as well. I mean, they're a team that's going to line up and they can they can play two tight ends, they can just and they can just run it down your throat. And that's my concern here for the for the Bills side. Now if the Bills also though, if the Bills can come out and, and get up like 14 early, then the, uh, vice versa, that's like terrible for the Patriots, uh, you know, to have to try to pass their way back into a game. We haven't really seen them have to be able to do that. It's been right. a lot of Mac and controlled game scripts. Also Mac is had a really great run of just not facing teams that can rush the passer, like a, yep. a tremendous run uh, of teams that don't really rush the passer. So, and the bills are, you know, they're number one in the NFL on pressure rate. Um, so we'll see, but a lot of that too is a byproduct of, you know, they get these leads on teams and they can do, they're, they're just playing downhill the rest of the game. So it's gonna be interesting to see kind of what happens there. Uh, I, I am curious, this from the Patriots' offensive perspective, though, like how good they perform here in the spot. And uh, obviously, losing Tre'Davious White is big for the Bills. Yeah, right? it's huge. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if the Patriots are a team that are necessarily gonna exploit it, uh, Donald, right. You know, in this in this particular matchup, I'm, I think it's still more like I said, the power run game. But uh, it's literally gonna be the start of this game is gonna dictate so much, right? Because if the Patriots mm. come out and they and they're running the ball well and they get up. They can control a game, but but vice versa. The Bills can score a quick touchdown uh, or get up and they force the Patriots to have to pass. Like that's not their game. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I'm also curious to see what what do the Patriots do? Obviously, you know, Bill Palachuk, arguably the greatest defensive coach of of our time, maybe ever. What does he do uh, defensively to play the Colts? Because what they've done typically this season, you know, they're more of an aggressive man-to-man defense. And that's not what you want to do against the Bills. He tried that last year. And J.C. Jackson got run off the field by Stephon Diggs, like absolutely embarrassed. So what, what do they kind of break their mold and how are they going to defend the, the Bills? Because that's been kind of the way you defend the Bills, you know, play, you know, it's been buzz, buzzword of the, the season. But you play that shell coverage. And if you can get home, uh, they, they struggle. So, I mean, you don't want to play a lot of man, though, against the Bills because uh, they've destroyed that this season.
0: Yeah, and not in. It's, it's interesting because it's it's not really you know in the same way they did last year, right? And I think like I I wrote about this. Uh, I think the heading into the playoffs last year about how Stephon Diggs was just like he was so good at setting up so many of those like vertical routes. He was living off like the curls and comebacks off of that. Um, and had so many more yards and and receptions off of those two routes than like anyone in the league over like the past couple of years, they're not setting that up in the same way and they haven't connected uh, in the same way. So they've, you know, been trying to, you know, figure out how to get Stephon Diggs because we haven't seen as many big Stephon Diggs games and, uh or or, you know early in the season you Emmanuel Sanders was was the deep threat on this team he like he led the league in dot. um he was getting those big catches downfield that hasn't quite been the case um either so I am really uh intrigued to see how the Patriots do go about this because you know sometimes you do have that you know they'll they'll I don't you don't want to put like Jalen Mills on on Stephon Diggs even with you know a, a safety bracket uh over the top because like you just you don't want fund digs on Jalen Mills if you're uh the defense even though that is kind of the way they've uh you know played some number one receivers a little bit and like I said so it, it's either that or it's you know it is JC Jackson the you know, one on one. So um it is going to be interesting because the, you know the Patriots are that that man kind of coverage team they are playing a, a lot of you know it's single high uh both uh pre-snap and, and post-snap they they want to be in that like that cover one look just because like that plays to the strengths of what they're doing um and, but then you look at you know what they can do up front and i think that that's going to be a, a big piece of this because like they're one of those teams that can uh, have seven guys on the line of scrimmage they can maybe rush three they can maybe rush seven. Uh, you just you just never know, and that's part of what this this Patriots uh, defense uh, has been. And you know the the Buffalo offensive line hasn't been you know a, as good as you would hope. And Allen has been uh, his process has sped up a little bit under under pressure uh, this year hasn't been quite as good there. So yeah, it's just there, there's so many dynamics uh, in, into this game. And and I feel, like you said, I think whichever one strikes first uh, is really going to you know is set the tone for the game. And I think everybody's gonna. I think everyone's throwing a fastball uh, in this game, uh, especially, you know, early in the game, just to just to see. And if you can blow one one by the the other guy, I, and that's really a, what takes the advantage. And I think it either way puts the other team at a disadvantage um, uh, to start. So I think for you know, Monday night games, I think this is going to be one of the more fun ones. And it's, it's going to shape really the AFC um, because we have, well, we've talked about this. We have the Patriots and Bills in two of the next, four weeks, uh, I believe, maybe three weeks. Um, so uh, these are the two teams on top of the uh, AFC right now. You have, you know, the Titans, who are continually falling apart, are still the number one seed. But, um, you know, I think if the Patriots go up here, uh, like they have a pretty good chance of, of somehow being the number one seed. But, you know, if if the Bills win, it's just like th- this. these next couple games, and you know, we've talked about the Patriots. They haven't really, like, played that the great of teams even though they are like really controlling a, a lot of these games like we haven't seen them play a team like the bills yet um and, and we get that uh over the next couple of weeks so uh, over the next month we'll, we'll really see what this you know afc is is shaping up and that's that's really fun that we get uh, matchups that could potentially be this good uh this late in the season
1: yeah. I mean, I was, I took the Patriots fourth in our, our, our draft. So I was high on them, but I'm also at this point of the season that the one part, like I'm one of the people that is just, like pumping the brakes a little bit, uh, because I've been waiting for like these matchups, you know, bills, then they you will know, buy, then they get Colts bills. Uh, so the, in two of these games are the next two are on the road too. So I'm, um, these are, this is like the test, right? Uh, um, they have already, they played the Cowboys really well and they played the Buccaneers really well. So they do have that kind of to lean back on, um, But these are these are the ones. These are the ones that I'm really going to like the the make or break where I where I reside on the the Patriots from a big, big picture scale. Like, are they an actual team? I believe that can go to the Super Bowl or not. Um, So, yeah, I'm excited. This is this is one of the Monday night games. And we've had a string of Monday nighters that haven't been haven't been the greatest uh, on paper. So this is one to look forward to um, for sure. I think that you can flex Monday night games this year, too. We haven't seen one yet, but I believe it's actually and it's eligible. Is it yeah, I believe it's a, a thing this year that they have to do it 14 days in advance or 11 days in advance, something like that. But they can flex Monday Night Football this year,
0: yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's good that we were getting a, a good game, you know. We've talked about it in the past how we've it kind of needed a man in the, for...
1: the The Sunday night game was flexed, it was supposed to be Seattle, yes. San Francisco. Which thank goodness we're not subjected to another Seahawks uh, primetime game. Oh, yeah, I mean, goodness.
0: I I was just going to say we've like we've needed a Manning cast uh, to get some of these, you know, Monday night games to be, you know, watchable. Um, there was not one last week. And I will be honest, I did not pay uh, very close attention to that game live. Um and I think that I I I think I came out the winner there. Um, but the Seahawks but, have
1: played like it feels like the Seahawks have played like six primetime games. And man, they are just they are they play unwatchable football.
0: Uh right now, yeah. <laughs> um I think over the past the couple of weeks, really like no no quarterback has been worse than than Russell Wilson. Um by like EPA uh, since he's uh, come back. They just like can't figure things out. I think it is kind of funny, like even as bad as like the Seahawks have been, you can still like find Tyler Lockett uh, wide open down the field, like once a game. Um, So that's, that's always going to happen uh, no matter how bad the Seahawks are playing. But um, man, like uh, I I wrote about this like uh, a couple weeks, the two weeks ago um, when they uh, came off their loss. And I think even more so now, like what this means for the Seahawks right now is, uh, it, it's real interesting. Like, does Russell Wilson want to be there? And I think if he is, you can find a way to like really put an effort to build uh, around that and try to bring some more pieces in. But if he, uh, doesn't want to be there. I think right now, you know, after the past couple of weeks and, and how he's played, I, you have to like wonder what Russell Wilson is right now. And if that's just, you know, a finger and coming back from an injury, or if it's, you know, a deeper thing, because I think we kind of have seen now from like the past three offenses, uh, they all kind of end up being the same and they still have mm-hmm. some of their same weaknesses. So it's kind of like Russell Wilson is one of the best quarterbacks in the league, but I think there are still, those weaknesses uh, in his game that I think just kind of continually pop up. Um, and like, do you think he's a
1: quarterback? Like his style is 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 also a
0: hindrance, like the way he's
1: aging. You know the the non check down, but he's not. He's not really mobile from like an adding rushing perspective, and like setting up the deep ball instead of like because you look at Monday Night. I mean, there are throws on the field that like they're just not. They're guys open. Yeah, and they're just not making. He's just not making the throws. I mean, it, I don't want to just lump it all on Shane Waldron. Like, like, like it, I wondered too, like just, cause it's not like Aaron Rodgers, like, right. Like Russ's style, you know, he's, he's an aggressive quarterback. He wants to hit big plays. Um, and, but he did, that's a tough way to live. It's a tough way to, to, to live on offense uh, when, you, when you're not able to to move, get first downs at all.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it, sometimes it, it is nice to, you know, throw the ball up and, and let DK Metcalf do a, a DK Metcalf thing. But when, you know, teams are are playing for that and you know, it, it's not that they don't, we uh, talked about this in the beginning of the season. Um, you know, it, it's not now that they don't have, you know, a guy to play that, you know, underneath role when teams are selling out to, you know, stop the the DK Metcalf and, and the Tyler Lockett from going deep. Um, they're just not, always willing to throw it to like we kind of expected Gerald Everett to, to be a little uh, bigger piece here. They, they still don't really have that third wide receiver um, that can, you know, play that part, but even you know, they have Everett, he could be doing that and we've seen it like a little bit, but never like fully committed to, you know, have that type of piece be a big part of the offense. But um. I don't think we need to worry about the Seahawks anymore because they signed Adrian Peterson, so everything's fixed.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's tough scenes for the Seahawks. I mean you see him Pete too after these games. I mean Pete is 70 years old now. Uh, and he signed through 2025. So I mean I mean that doesn't really matter, I guess, but still like, Yeah. <laughs> you no, can see that, it though I, in these post post game pressers, though. Like it's this season has taken its toll on uh, the Seahawks.
0: Yeah, and it's just you know, it is an interesting crossroads right now for the Seahawks where they kind of have to, to figure out what they are, uh, going forward. Um, you know, and trading what they did for uh, Jamal Adams is just, it's again, not like Jamal Adams fault, but they obviously were not expecting to be this bad. And I don't think anyone was expecting them to be this bad, um, by this point, uh, and giving up that, that first rounder in, uh, for the 2022 draft. It's just, um, you know it, it puts them behind because they you know they haven't been super aggressive in in adding team uh like players who could really develop well i think when you like if you look at this roster right now what what is there to build around if you were to start rebuilding it's like it's dk metcalf and like that might be it like there there's not a lot of you know young building blocks around here they you know Mm -hmm. swung and missed on almost all of their first round picks over the past couple years um and that that is starting to to creep up a a little bit and then it's it's putting them uh in a place where you know they're clearly the worst team in this division uh right now um and then like for you know what we've seen with with san francisco as much as you know part of the uh, you know early talk of kyle Shanahan was you know how he can't they get some of these guys, uh, that he's drafted, you know, into the rotation They're in the doghouse, Like we've now seen, you know, Brandon Ayuk uh, breaking out more involved, you know, and that's going to be more because Debo Samuel is going to be out for the past next couple weeks. Um, and he's been, you know, played such a big part, but now you have like Juwan Jennings, who was again, a, a seventh round pick. Um, just a guy who fits that Kyle Shanahan mold. Like he was, he was the big slot at Tennessee, um, in college. And he just, he, it, it like it's a Kyle Shanahan wide receiver. Like that fit is so good. Now that he is going to get some, some playing time, like that just, it, it's a piece that fits really well since they've had George Kittle back. Like it's, it's been um, you know, the, the offense has been great. The, the offense is completely different when Kittle is on and off the field. Um, But I think you, you look at some of those pieces and they've been able to figure it out. So uh, I'm not sure this gets much better for, for the Seahawks. over the next uh, couple of weeks, which like it's that, it, it, this could be the the end of Seattle, uh, as we know it, uh, heading into the offseason. And that's going to be, um, you know, uh, just a real interesting uh, dynamic change for for the entire league. Like, what does Seattle look like? Where could Russell Wilson potentially go? Like, that changes a whole lot of things uh, as we uh, look uh, heading into the offseason which uh, i think is you know while, while we have no good teams i think like there are going to be teams in the offseason that that see some of these you know edges where they could potentially get a wake up on some of these uh other teams with you know some of this veteran quarterback movement that we might see more of um this offseason that we kind of expected to see last offseason so um you know it's it we have still a uh, rest of the season to go and it's going to be interesting, but I think some of this off season is, is going to be, you know, just as interesting. So um, that's, you know, the both both sides of the spectrum we have uh, to, to watch for the remainder of the year.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you got that, the 49ers, and they're like a lot like the NFC Colts to me, where like, they're surging, they, everything's coming together. It looks right. But eventually you just know it's going to, you're going to have a game come down to a Jimmy Garoppolo throw, and you're going to have a game come down to a Carson Wentz throw. Like it's, you know, both, both of those teams are so They put themselves in such a good spot and, and they're, they're really good all around teams. And I believe in them as a team, but then also when it comes down to the end of the day, you're going to need one of those, both of those quarterbacks are going to be asked to win a game and I have no faith in either of them to do it. Yeah. And that that's what it was is, awesome like- in the first half of that Bucks game. And then you see it, it happen again, man. It happened again. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and it's it's kind of it's it's similar with uh, Garoppolo, where he's you know so good throwing to the middle of the field. They have no offense outside the numbers uh, at all, um, and I think like that we talked about why that was kind of why they drafted Trey Lance to to have that dynamic in the offense and especially like the the run game. But uh, they've been so efficient in, in what Garoppolo has been able to do, but they've been in a place where. They don't have to rely on anything else, right? They don't have to have. But we kind of talked about it. Like they've it had Jimmy dropping back, but it's you know those short drawbacks. It's taken you know a, a little bit uh, that that quick game is you know kind of taken what play action has been in, in that offense. Uh, but it's again still short passes and, and run after the catch for for these guys, and it's not you know asking Jimmy Garoppolo to to drop back and and make. Um, you know, were really tough throws, although he has been, you know, super efficient in what he's been doing. Uh, It's going to be really interesting to see what this offense looks like without Debo Samuel, because that wide receiver run game changed up just enough um, that it uh, was able to get defenses uh, off their game and have to worry about something else and could, you know, take away, uh, having to worry about you know the the throws outside the numbers which just don't exist in the San Francisco offense right now. So how they adjust here um, without Samuel for the next couple of weeks, I think is going to be real interesting for for what San Francisco could potentially be.
1: Yeah, I was I was ready to to stump for a Debo in the MVP race take, uh, but then he got hurt.
0: Yeah, that that's just like one of one of those things. Like it could have like even you know offensive player of the year should be in there. Um, and yeah, if if San Francisco made a run while Debo was not only being a great wide receiver, um, was he, he uh, was like also a, being he
1: was like a bonafide alpha wide receiver for ten weeks of the season. Yep. And then they were just like, all right, cool. We're gonna start playing it running back. And he was awesome. He was awesome at that
0: yeah which is great and like that's uh, i i wonder if they might use like iuk isn't the same type of player but i i do wonder if they they try to get into some of this wide receiver run game with um no with debo still out because like when they ran went to the super bowl uh their super bowl run like their wide receiver run game was was the best thing they had going and that was yeah. you know with with Debo um yeah and I, I wrote about that uh, at the time and do it, you was worry, just, though, it was that, so
1: good do you worry though that if they do that with IU there's no insurance now at wide receiver like if IU were to get hurt now now you are relying on Juwan Jennings as your wide receiver one uh in <laughs> Trent Sherfield, you know So it's a a little tougher, right? To just go out there and say, we can use Ayuk in the same fashion or mix it in. um, Because if he takes a hit or is, you know, bounce out of a game, it's just Kittle.
0: Yeah, and I think think we have seen what that offense looks like. I mean, we just said how different the Offense is with and without Kittle, but when it's only Kittle, uh, that's that's a little tougher. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't expect them to use the wide receiver run game quite as much without Debo, but I think we, we see it mixed in uh, a little bit. Um, because I, I think at, at this point, I think he was like seem- a bona
1: fide, he was like a ridiculous return man in college. I, used, uh, Alabama actually offered him a scholarship just to return kicks, and he chose Arizona State they were going to play wide receiver because he was a Juco guy um but he was an awesome return man uh, I, I thought we'd see a lot more of that from waddle this year too but we haven't really seen a lot of it uh you know in, in the I,
0: there's there's still a lot of uh, a waddle left on the bone here okay oh, yeah, uh, i yeah, think yeah, yeah.
1: Um, i mean waddle was just an insane guy with the ball in his hands like we haven't seen a lot of that this year but i, I was the same way though in college basically is what i'm getting
0: to <laughs> yeah absolutely but uh, i think if we uh You know, we, we talked about our wins draft earlier. We talked about our our props draft that we had the the week before that, uh, JC Jackson over, uh, four and a half interceptions already hit Jalen Waddle over 750 and a half, uh, receiving yards already hit. Um, so I think those are, those are the two we've had uh, so far that hit. So yeah. Um, right. There we go. I think who's the fastest
1: ball carrier this year. All
0: right. Uh, Ooh, Oh, who was that? I was just looking at that the other day. Um, it, is, uh, it has not been Raheem Mostert, well, uh, which... <laughs> Unfortunately, it could have um, been. It, it absolutely uh, could have been. So the t- <laughs> oh, this is funny. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling uh, on the 75-yard uh, touchdown reception in week 11 uh, has okay. currently been the fastest. Uh, second fastest was uh, Patrick Sertan uh with his uh 70 yard interception return uh last week uh which kind of well, you know like we said when you're looking at that stuff it's guys who have a free run- runway right yeah. it's not necessarily the fastest guys it's guys who have a wide open field in front of them and you know a 75 yard touchdown and, and a 70 yard interception return like that that's what you have so yep you um, gotta go top speed for the whole way like it's, yeah it's it. And, and enough, enough time to get to top speed, right? Because you're not doing that on a 10-yard reception, no matter you know, how you gotta make a fast guy you are. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So Interesting. I was wondering who it was, though.
0: I was just thinking about that. Because I there remember we are, that, was right now. Your prop, that was one of your prop bets. It was. Yeah. Uh, that, nice. that one is is not going to hit. But uh, wow. well, listen, mate.
1: transitive property, Elijah Mitchell, I don't know.
0: Sure. Yeah, cool. yeah, the, the process was fine uh and I'll, and I'll take it so uh on that note i think we can uh end the show here um you can find all of rich's work and all of uh my work and all of the team at sharp football analysis or work at sharpfootballanalysis.com. have a lot of good stuff have a lot of you know fantasy uh the betting obviously rich's worksheet if you are still in your your fantasy season which uh congratulations to you um you know uh, and all of that is going to be uh, on the site. Remember, we have our richest Fantasy podcast and our betting podcast with Ryan McChrystal also on this feed, uh, if you were listening to this uh, on the same feed. So you should be listening to those two shows. Also, they have been great all season. Um, you can find Rich on Twitter at Lord Reeves. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Pizzuta. Thank you guys for listening and we will talk to you again soon.